Hey everyone, it's Adam, and you're listening to the Embrace Podcast. God is doing so many incredible things at all of our physical locations in South Dakota, in Minnesota, and also online. Learn more about Embrace and how to get connected at IamEmbrace.com. I hope today's message encourages you and inspires you. Let's jump in. It was uh, July 15th, 2006. And I was sitting in a reception hall putting up decorations about four hours before my wedding. I thought I should talk about my wedding since it's Valentine's Day. I thought that might get me a few points. So that's, that's, why, that's why I started with that. But it was about four hours before my wedding uh, when all of a sudden I got a tap on the shoulder from my father-in-law. And he says, hey, I'd like to have a word with you. It's like, oh yeah, those are the words you love to hear four hours before you're about to marry uh, his daughter. Uh, but my father-in-law, he's a, he's a really great man, someone I really respect. He's one of these guys, and you probably have someone in your life like this, they only say what's necessary. Do you have anybody in your life like that? They only say what's necessary. Everything they say has a purpose and has a meaning. And he's a lawyer, so he's a little scary because lawyers are scary, right? Let's just be honest, lawyers are a little scary. And so he pulls me outside um, on a beautiful July day. It wasn't beautiful. It was 100 degrees the day we got married. But my question is, how many of you would take 100-degree weather today? There should be more than that. What state do we live in that can go from negative 20 to 100 in one year? Like, that's a 120-degree uh, swing. And so he pulled me outside. I'm sweating because it's hot out. I'm nervous. And he takes a look at me, and this is what he says. He said, uh, Travis, he said, I have a piece of advice I want to tell you about marriage. He said, when I got married those, all those years ago, my father-in-law pulled me aside, and he told me some very important marriage advice. And so I want to pass it on to you because it has helped me in my marriage so much, and I think it could help you as well. It's like, whoa, like that's big stuff, right? Like, I mean, my, this guy that I respect, the, the dad of the woman that I'm uh, going to marry, he comes up to me, says, I got this advice that changed my marriage, and it, I got it from my father-in-law. He passed it to me, and now I want to pass it to you. Now, you're going to hate me for this. I'm not going to tell you what he told me (laughs) because it was between me and him. I just want to keep it that way. But the point isn't what he told me. I'll maybe share that in a marriage message some other time. The point isn't what told me. The point is who told me. Someone I respect. My my wife's father. It's, It's the gravity of the situation. My wedding day. He told me this is one of the most important things for your marriage. We've been in a series called The One Thing, where we've been talking about these one things that Jesus has said that change everything. And not to throw any shade on the previous five messages, this is the last one in the series, but not to throw shade on any of those messages, but this is the one thing. Today, we are talking about the most important thing. Just like my father-in-law pulled me outside of that reception hall and said, Travis, this is such an important thing for you to know about your marriage. Jesus will pull us aside this morning and say, this is the most important thing for life. Jesus was in Jerusalem and he was teaching when all of a sudden one of the religious leaders, one of the law people that uh, looked at the law, came up to him and asked him, a question. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating, noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer. He asked him, 
of all the commandments, which is the one thing? What is the most important? The most important one, answer Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. Now, in the Jewish scriptures, which would be our Old Testament, there was 613 commandments, 613 things that you should do or should not do. And this religious teacher, he's coming to Jesus and says, which one is the one thing? Like 613, which one is the most important? Like, do you feel like the kind of the gravity of this moment? Like, we're going to Jesus. What is the one thing? If you wanted to know something about like singing, you might go to Adele and Adele, she'd tell you the one thing you need to know about singing. Or if you needed to know about investing, you might go to Warren Buffett and he might tell you one thing about investing. Or if you wanted to learn how to win a Super Bowl, you might go to Tom Brady and say, Tom Brady, what's the one thing you need to know about winning a Super Bowl? And I'm sure he would say deflate balls, right? Like that's what Tom would say. <laughs> Gotta throw some shade. He can't win, win everything. But we're not asking Warren Buffett, we're not asking Adele, we're not asking Tom Brady. We're asking Jesus, our God and our creator, what's the most important thing about life? See how important this moment is? Crazy enough, Jesus answers him. He says, this is the most important thing. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Now, if you're anything like me, you might think in this moment, uh, Jesus is being a creative genius, right? Jesus has got this original idea that nobody in humanity has ever heard before. But that's not true. This wasn't an original idea. This is something that every Jew at the time would have known. Because he quoted an Old Testament scripture, Deuteronomy 6. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. That's all he did was quote that. But this, this would have been so popular during the day that this passage actually had a name. It was called the Shema. That's so fun to say. Can you say that with me, please? Shema. Hey, you, few of you actually did that. The other services, no one did it, and it was really embarrassing for me. Shema is what it was called. And, and a good Jew would have said the Shema two times a day, once in the morning and once in the evening. And the reason they would say it at that time, it was a time for them to recenter their life on God and loving him. Another cool thing about the Shema, traditionally, uh, Jews would have covered their face while saying the first part of the Shema to block out the world so they could just focus on their relationship with God and loving him in the center of their life. They would cover their eyes. Isn't that cool? That's what they would, uh, that's what they would do. Uh, so Jesus, for Jesus, the one thing that was the most important thing was also one of the most common things. Isn't that so true about life? So often we're looking for something new and fancy and deep when the things that really matter, the things that really are important are right in front of our eyes. They're the most common to us. So what I want to do today is I want to sit in this passage with you. There's a lot in here. And I want us to dig through these words and understand what this means. But not so that we can just understand it, but that we can live it. So we can know what this means, so we can live it out. Jesus says this one thing is the most important thing, so we need to figure out how to live it out. 
So let's start with the first phrase in the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God. Now, the word love, it's a complicated word. You maybe had a boyfriend tell you that once. Love's complicated. I can't say that word. I'm not sure. But it is complicated. Like, you can love your spouse. You can love your parents. You can love your kids. Like, those are all different loves, right? You can love a piece of pizza, for goodness sakes. You can love your third grade crush that you've never, ever talked to. Like, we say this word all the time. It means a million different things. But one thing I think is true in our culture, we have over-romanticized the word love. For some of us here, uh, love is something you would only say to someone you have maybe romantic feelings to, like a boyfriend or girlfriend or a spouse. And I'm just be honest with you, still to this day, it is hard for me to say I love you to anyone but my wife. I have a good friend. He's always like, hey, I love you, Travis. I'm like, love you, man. Like, I don't know. I I struggle with it. I don't know what it is, but I think I struggle with it because it it feels romantic to me. You know, like that's what that, that, I don't know if I was raised that way or whatever it is, but it feels romantic uh, to me. But love, it is romantic, but it's so much more than that. I want to give you a definition of, of love. Love is an intense feeling of deep affection toward someone. So it's an intense feeling, love it is a feeling, of deep affection towards someone. So think about it this way. Let's say you have a friend that you haven't seen for a long time. And inside, you just long to spend time with this friend, to laugh with this friend, to have fun with this friend, to share company with this friend. That longing inside of you, that's love. You love that person. And so when Jesus says, love the Lord your God, he isn't saying be romantic with the Lord your God. He's saying, long to be with me like you would an old friend. Long to spend time with me, to talk with me, to hang out with me, to share company with me. That's what it means to love the Lord your God. But he doesn't stop there. He he shares, there's there's four pathways. There's four ways that you can love me. You can love me with your heart. You can love me with your mind, soul, and strength. So I want to look at each one of those pathways so we can better understand what it means to love God. So let's start with first the heart. What is the heart? Once again, in the Bible, the heart can mean a lot of different things. But in the context of this passage, what it really means is our emotions, Love the God with, love your God with your emotions. Being honest with you again, I don't like emotions. I'm getting better as I get older, but like literally, like I like to feel like very little. I like to kind of even keel. Like I just want to stay right here, right about average. I don't want to run this up and down roller coaster. And some of you are maybe uh, like me in that way. But Jesus says like, even if you don't like your feelings and emotions, you need to love me with them. So when you came in today and you sat and sang songs, did any part of your heart love God? Did you feel anything? When you're outside and you see a sunset, does any part of your heart feel overjoyed by the one that created it? When you sit down and maybe read your Bible, does any part of you just long to hear from God like an old friend? When you're in the car and you might say a prayer or talk to God, is there any part of you that just wants to talk to him, desire in your heart to talk with him? I know this is hard for some of us, but Jesus says this is a pathway. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart. 
The second one, he then goes on to say, love the Lord your God with all your soul. Now, this is where things can get a little bit confusing. For us, the, what we believe about the soul is not the same thing that maybe a first century Jew or even Jesus would have believed about a soul. What we think of when we think of the soul is we think of this like ghost-like substance inside of us that when we die, it goes off to heaven to be with Jesus or something. The Jews would have never have thought of the soul uh, that way. The Jews thought of the soul as your whole being. Your whole physical presence on the earth, your whole body was your soul. So when Jesus says, love the Lord with all your soul, he wasn't saying, love the Lord with this like ghost-like substance that's going to go be with me someday. He's saying, no, love the Lord with your whole body, your whole physical body. We do everything in life with our physical bodies. We eat with our physical bodies. We go to work with our physical bodies. We talk to others. We relate with people. We are married in our physical bodies. We do everything in our physical body. So what is Jesus saying? He's like, whenever you use your body, wherever you are physically present, you need to love me. When you eat, you need to love me. When you're at work, you need to love me. When you're at church, you need to love me. When you talk with other people, you need to love me. Everything that you do in this body needs to show that you love me. We don't operate this way, though, do we? Some of us, we have a church body, don't we? And then we have a work body. We might love God when we're in our church body, but when we're in the work body, we're a completely different person. And Jesus says, no, it doesn't work work that way. Love me with the whole thing, your whole soul, your whole being, wherever you are, love me. So that's the second thing. Love the Lord with your whole soul. Then he goes on to say, love the Lord with all your mind. The mind is the place of thinking, of rationality. Now, I'll just be honest with you. Like, this is the, this is the place that I like, this is where I love to go. Like, when I was a little kid, I was always thinking about God. Like, who is God? What is God? What does he do? What does he want uh, from me? When I read the scriptures, I don't typically feel things. I think things. I, I'm calculating what does it mean, and I'm analyzing what the scripture, scripture means. And there's some of you that are like, yes, that's me. And the other 99% of you are like, you're a nerd. Like, why do you, why do you think that way? But I love this passage. I love this passage because it speaks so much to my soul. God says you can love him by thinking about him. You can love him by thinking about him. Unfortunately, sometime in the last few hundred years, we've come to believe that thinking is for academics and the sciences. That's where thinking is. It's in academics and the sciences. And God is the place where you need to set your thinking aside. If you believe that or if you were told that, I want to tell you that is a lie. That is a complete lie. You can bring your whole brain into this place, all your thinking, all your rationality, and you can love God with it. Some of the most bright human beings of all time have loved God with their minds. I want to give you an example of one. Isaac Newton. You've probably heard of Isaac Newton before. He founded the theory of gravity. He created calculus, which is crazy. He's one of the most celebrated intellectual mathematicians and scientists of all time And look at what he said about God. The true God is living, intelligent, and powerful. He is present from infinity to infinity. He rules all things, and he knows all things that happen or can happen. 
Isaac Newton loved God with his mind. It's said that Isaac Newton wrote more about God than he actually did science. It's crazy. You didn't hear that in school, did you? He wrote more about God than he did about science. Love the Lord with your whole mind. Lastly, uh, he goes on to say, love the Lord with your strength. Now, as I studied this passage the last few weeks, this was the thing that really stood out to me. Like, this was the thing that kind of blew my mind. I had never heard this before. If you were to translate this uh, to more of the way we say it in English, we wouldn't say love the Lord with all your strength. You would say love the Lord with all your very That's really weird, isn't it? Like, that doesn't make any sense. So just stick with me for a second. Love the Lord with all your very. How do we use the word very? We use it to intensify statements. Like, if you were to say, she ran fast, how would you intensify that? She ran very fast. We do this all the time. Like, he is a very good cook. Adam Weber is very bald. You know, like, I know I shouldn't say that, but like, you know, we do this all the time. We intensify words. Now, this is so cool, guys. Get, get this. Love the Lord with all your very means love the Lord with all your intensity. Love the Lord with your heart, mind, and soul, but then intensify it. Take it times 10, take it times 100, take it times 1,000, take it times a million. It's not enough to just love him. We have to intensify it. The way I like to think about this is if you're in the car and you hear your favorite song, you don't listen to it softly, do you? You turn up the volume. Like if Bohemian Rhapsody's on, you better believe I'm turning up the volume. And that's just what God is saying. He's like, hey, there's a starting place. Love the Lord with all your heart, mind, and soul, but then turn up the volume. Keep it going. Isn't that awesome? Love the Lord your God with all your strength, with all your Fairy. So that's the one thing. Do it. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. There's nothing more important than this because there's nothing more important than God. I know we got a million other things in our life. The reason why this is important is there's nothing more important than God. God is the ultimate treasure. He is the ultimate beauty. He is the ultimate good. No one deserves our love more than him. And when you start to love him, this is the coolest thing. As Christians, we're always trying to check boxes. We're always trying to do this or don't do this. But Jesus is like, no, you're starting at the wrong spot. When you start trying to order your life, you're you're missing the point. You need to start with loving me. And when you love me, it starts to trickle down into your whole life. I want to stop gossiping. Love the Lord more. I want to stop this sin pattern. Love the Lord more. It starts to trickle down into our entire life. So that's great, right? And I know some of you are like, that's awesome. You yelled at me a lot, and I, and, I, and I want to do this, but I really don't know how. Well, I want to kind of give you a starting point on how to start with this. But before I do that, I have to say, it's not where you think it would start. How we start loving the Lord God isn't how you might imagine. This is really important, probably the most important thing I'll say. You cannot love the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength without first 
understanding that he loves you with all his heart, mind, soul, and strength. You can't love God until you realize he first loved you. Listen to what John, this is a friend of Jesus said. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. That's the starting place. And sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for sin. Jesus, he loves you with all his heart, mind, soul, and strength. Jesus loves you with all of his heart. He loves you with his feelings. Jesus, he feels things for you this morning. As he looks over you, he desires things for you. Jesus, he loves you with all of his mind. He's thinking about you. He's planning for your life. Jesus, he loves you with his whole being, his whole soul, his whole body. He quite literally put his physical presence on the cross, hung it up there so that you and me could be forgiven. Jesus loves us with all of his strength, with his intensity. Not only did he die, he died the worst death you could die and he endured the intensity for us. Amen? Like, he loves us with all of his heart, mind, soul, and strength. And we can't love him until we understand he first loved us. I was at a funeral this past week, and it was of a a young man, a very young man, Passed away way too soon. Uh, He was raised in America, but his family was from the Sudan area. So at this prayer service, there was a mixture of American and African cultures. And when I walked in, I didn't didn't know this, um, but I I think this this might be true of all African cultures, but of some, uh, they mourn a bit differently. Uh, When I walked in, they weren't just mourning, they weren't just crying, but they were wailing. Do you know what wailing is? Like almost shrieking. And as I walked in, it was almost like this jolt to my body. Like, oh my gosh. Like the pain. I mean, it was one thing to see the pain, but then to hear the pain. And it just, it just moved me. Um, and as I sat there and just listened to them, they were also singing and mourning. And I realized something maybe for the first time. Love is intensified in loss. Some of you know this, right? You've lost someone in your life, someone very dear to you. And that love has bubbled over into pain and grief and wailing. And as I sat there and I listened, I said, there is no love greater On this human earth, there's no love greater than a father and a mother that have lost a son. There's nothing greater than that. Love is intensified in loss. Why do I say that? God loves you like that. God loves you like he's lost you. Because he has. You wandered away. 
You wandered away, and he went chasing after you. Oh, every hill and under every mountain, he chased after you. You've turned your back on him, and he's sitting right behind you, waiting for you to turn back. You sinned, and you died. You went to the grave, and God went to the grave for you and pulled you out of it. Jesus, he loves you like he's lost you. Because he has. Some of you here today, you're, you're lost. You know that. You ran away. You've got your back turned. You're sitting in the grave. I just want you to know how much your God loves you. He loves you like a mother or a father has lost their son. It's intense. And he wants you to turn around. Would you turn around? Would you let him grab you? Would you let him take you out of the grave? When we start to, even in just a little bit, you don't have to know all this, a little bit start to understand that God loves us like this, that he loves us with all of his heart, mind, soul, and strength, then we can love him back with all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our soul, and all of our strength. Let's pray. God, I just know there's some people here that have wandered away. Some of us are Christians and we've wandered away. We've got our back turned to you. We're hiding in the grave. And if we could only know how much you love us. And I can't do that. I can't do that with these words. Lord, but your Holy Spirit can. So I pray in this moment, would you come and would you let every single person that's sitting in a seat here or online or at one of our campuses or one of our network churches, Lord, would you let them know in their mind and in their heart and in their body how much you love them. God, it's the one thing that changes everything. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. If this message moved you in any way, be sure to subscribe to the podcast to never miss your dose of encouragement. You can also follow us on social media with the handle at I Am Embrace. Again, we are thrilled you took the time to join us today. And if you live anywhere near one of our locations in South Dakota and Minnesota, we would love to have you join us in person. You can find out more and start a conversation at imembrace.com. Thanks again for listening and have a great week.